Hi, this is Casey Treat. I'm pastor at Christian Faith, and we are excited to have you with us on our podcast. Thanks for joining in. I'm praying that you're gonna hear a word that will inspire you, empower you to connect with Jesus and become more like Him. That's what we live for. That's what's happening on today's podcast. Well, we're happy to be in church on Christmas Day. It only happens once in a while when the 25th is on Sunday. And uh, there was a bit of a discussion, would you come to church? But here you are. So thank the Lord, Wendy and I would have been so sad if if we were here all by ourselves. And we're so happy to have our Mill Creek family with us, our Federal Way family, and our online family. And we really are praying that Christ is working in your life on this Christmas day. I'm just going to take a few moments and talk about part of the Christmas story. As always, our goal is to make the scripture applicable to our lives today. And uh, over the past several weeks, we've been discussing various passages from the New Testament about the birth of Christ. And uh, so in a few moments, uh, we'll pray and we'll thank the Lord and we'll be on our way for whatever other festivities we have. But for now, let's just take a look at the story of Christmas, the birth of Jesus And those things in the Bible that really we should know should be a part of our lives and things we should be passing on to our children. I want to read from Matthew chapter 2. We're going to put them up, scriptures up on the screen there. Matthew chapter 2. And this is that portion where the wise men come. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when they had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them, where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And just a footnote here, we, we realize it was about two years earlier because when he tried to stop the birth of the new king, right, his competition, he killed every child from two years and under. So the wise men had seen this star and, and been studying this phenomenon for up to two years, and then who knows how long it took them to journey all the way to Jerusalem. 
So he said to them, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Of course, he wasn't going to worship him. When they heard the king, they departed and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child Jesus with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So this is a big part of our Christmas stories, our celebrations, our Christmas cards, our decorations. Oftentimes we see the three wise men, probably many more, a caravan coming from the east. Three on their own would never have made it through all of the bandits and the circumstances of their day. But I just want to think on this thought for a moment. How diligently these wise men were seeking after the Messiah. They did not just happen to be in Jerusalem at this year, at this time, and this happened to hear about the birth of Christ. No, they purposefully packed up their camels, which by the way, does not sound fun at all. But I guess if you lived back then, it's all you knew, right? Packed up their caravan, traveled for days, weeks, months, seeking after this Messiah, this King of the Jews. And so I want to present this idea to you today that wise men and wise women still seek after the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes we get this attitude like, well, God really hasn't done much in my life. I mean, I've gone through a lot of issues. I've had my struggles and, you know, physical problems, financial problems, family problems. Where was God? Well, let me just ask this question. How much do you seek him? Right? I mean, we tend to blame the Lord for the issues that we struggle with. But how much do we seek after God? One thing we must remember is that God made you a free will agent. You're like him. You have a soul. You live in a body. You're a spiritual being. And you decide your destiny. You choose your eternity. You're making decisions every day how you live. How often do you choose to seek him? How much do you hunger for him? In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus mentions being hungry and seeking after more than once. In chapter 5, he said, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. And in chapter 7, he said, if you ask and seek and knock, you will receive. And then he repeats it, and he says in the next verse, Matthew 7 and verse 8, for everyone who asks, receives. 
And everyone who seeks will find. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. It's true, isn't it? We really do find those things that we search for. We really do get those things that we go after. We wish life was easy and things would just fall on us, right? I wish I could wake up tomorrow and somebody would give me another college degree. Just send it to me, would you? I'm a smart guy. I deserve it. We hear that a lot. You deserve it. You know, it doesn't really matter what you deserve. You get what you seek for. You find what you search for. You receive what you ask for. In the book of James, the Bible says, many people have not because they ask not. And so these wise men, and today wise men and women, seek after God. Seek for God's help in their family. Seek for God's blessing on their children. Seek for God's healing when they go through physical challenges. Seek for God's provision when they're facing financial needs. Do we seek first the kingdom of God? Or are we like so many who do everything else possible and when nothing else works, then we ask God? Which one are you? God is at the bottom of the list or God is at the top of the list? In Matthew chapter six, the Lord said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. Let's, let's remind our children, seek first God's will in your life. Seek first God's will for your marriage for your family, for your career, for your future. Because if you seek God's first, you're gonna find everything else that you need. It's interesting that the Bible calls these guys wise men. The book of Proverbs said, wisdom brings everything you need. Wisdom makes your relationships better and makes your health better and makes your finances better. In fact, wisdom will enable you to live a long and happy life. So I guess what that means is if you're stupid, you're gonna have a hard and short life. Which maybe that's good, right? Because let's get it over with. That's not very Christmassy. But wisdom brings blessing of all kinds. So let's be like these wise men. Let's seek after the things of God. You know, we have time for anything we value. We got time for a football game that takes way too long. We got time to watch golf. I mean, come on, if you can watch golf, you got time. We got time for Food Channel. And the house, home, home and gardens channel. You have time for anything you value. 
You have time to pray. You have time to read your Bible. You have time to seek after the Lord. And if you ask, you will receive. If you seek, you will find. And if you knock, the door will be opened. Can I get an amen right there? It's true. Another thing that's interesting me in this story of the wise men, it says they first went to Jerusalem to talk to King Herod. I guess there was quite a stir in the town, in the city. Jerusalem was a large city. Bethlehem was kind of a suburb of Jerusalem. So when they went into Jerusalem, it was a large caravan. They were obviously wealthy and important men. The king wanted to talk with them and find out, what are you doing here? What's going on? Oftentimes, the first thing we look to is our government. He was the ruler. Herod was the ruler over that part of the land. And so they went in and they spoke with him and, he, and they said, we're looking for this new king of the Jews. And of course, that made him nervous because governments of men, political leaders in the natural are not thinking what's good for people. They're thinking what's good for me? What's good for my election? What's good for my position? What's good for my control? And I'm only going to get political for a moment here today. You better know what the governments of men can provide and what the government of God can provide. I read recently by looking to the governments of men, many have been deceived and discouraged and we have more mental health struggles and more health issues and more financial issues, more poverty, more homelessness than ever before in our country, all under the guise of the government will take care of it. When we look to the government of God, we find a different way of living, a way of finding our gifts and our talents and finding energy, energy and passion and finding opportunity and finding a way to give and to serve. It's a whole different mentality. When the wise men went to Herod, they were only tricked and deceived. And God in a dream told them, do not go back to the king of this natural realm. And so I would just offer to you, be like the wise men. Don't believe the governments of this world are looking out for you, but rather seek first the kingdom of God. The governments of God will lift you to a higher realm of life. Lastly, wise men and women are ready to worship with their time, their talent, and their treasure. This whole journey was motivated by these wise men's desire to worship this new king, to honor him. 
Maybe worship and honor and giving our lives to God is not in vogue. Maybe we've lost the idea of what it really means to worship. I think some of us feel like, well, you know, I'm a Christian. I go to church once in a while. I love the Lord. But do you ever worship God? Do you ever express your faith, your love, your passion for him? Maybe because we've lost that ability to worship, we've lost some of that relationship and our ability to receive what he has for us. It's a personal thing, isn't it? You have to sort it out. You, you're the only one that can stir your own heart to worship the Lord. As we read through the Bible, when they worshiped, they, there was various expressions, right? It, it came out in different ways. Sometimes men would fall on their knees before the Lord. Other times they would stand before the Lord. Often they would lift their hands and they would sing to the Lord. Maybe our most famous worshiper was David, who played a stringed instrument and wrote songs to God, singing with all his heart to the Lord. And the Lord wrote the songs through David like, sing a new song to the Lord. And with all that is within you, worship him. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. Those are the songs that God gave David to express his worship. How, how do you express your worship? Well, you know, God knows. God knows my heart. I, yeah, he does. Exactly. That's why I'm asking. How do you express your worship? Well, I mean, you know. Really? Is that all you got? I think a lot of us kind of avoid it because we feel uncomfortable. Maybe we feel like, you know, it's personal. But it's similar to your relationship with your husband and wife, if we don't say, I love you, no matter how much we love, questions and doubts start coming into the relationship. If we don't serve with action, no matter how much we, we care, struggles and problems start coming into the relationship. And many people have lost what they thought was sure because they just didn't take the time to express what they had in their heart. Jesus said, if it's in your heart, it's gonna come out of your mouth. When was the last time you said, I love you, Lord? Well, it's in my heart. Okay, well then it should be coming out of your mouth. Sing to the Lord and clap your hands and shout out loud and all of those expressions are biblical. And important. You'll do it for the mariners, and they're not even very good. 
You'll do it for the Seahawks and the Lord knows they suck. Isn't that funny? We worship what we love. I've seen grown men. I've seen grown men gather around a Harley Davidson and be like, praise the Lord. I mean, they were saying it in other words, but you know what I'm saying. They're like, whoa. You worship what you love. Do you love the Lord? Do you worship the Lord? Do you sing to the Lord? Do you shout to the Lord? Now think about this. These wise men were kings. They were leaders. They were rich, prosperous. They could gather together a caravan and they could travel with guards and protection and wealth enough wealth to care for the family of Jesus for the months and years that were to come as they had to hide in Egypt and then come back to Nazareth. So these were not small men. These were big men, prosperous men, successful men. And what did they do when they saw Jesus? A child up to two years old, they fell and they expressed their worship, and they gave their treasure. They were not too big, nor too rich, nor too powerful to worship the Lord. So, what's your excuse? Maybe you've never really connected with him and given your life to him and just come out of yourself and said, God, I am yours and you are mine, and I'm serving you, I'm seeking you, I'm following you, I'm obeying you. And one of the things that I think that worship does, it gets you to a point where you're willing to pay the price. Because if you can't lift up your hand, you certainly can't reach for your wallet. I guess we kind of trivialize the gifts of the wise men because we don't get it, right? We, we look at gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I mean, what, you brought, you brought some shekels, some cinnamon, and nutmeg? You know, we don't, we don't connect with frankincense and myrrh. But if you were living in that day, these are valuable items. These are treasures. The, the, these are unique, and, and not everybody had it, and only the rich could get it. And to give it away is an amazing thing. And so we have several points in the life of Christ, this being the first, where people gave expensive things to him. Later, it was an alabaster box. In Luke chapter eight, there were women who were married to the political leaders of the day who all supported his ministry. Jesus learned how to hang with the rich folks because the poor folks only have needs. It's the rich folks that are gonna help us do something around here. 
And this was the beginning. These wise men gave their treasure. They didn't give him a tip, right? They didn't travel all that way to give the Lord a quarter. They didn't just offer some cheap gift. They gave their valuables. They gave their best. They gave their treasure. And a true worshiper whose heart is his worship has found a way to give their treasure. Maybe that's what holds some of us back. We really don't want to pay that price. We're really not all in. I mean, let's not get serious. It's not like I'm giving money at the church. Is that the point where you consider it serious? Because if it is, then you should get there. And keep in mind, God's never trying to take anything from you. You really think God needs to take anything from you? By the way, do you think we're holding our breath waiting for you to bring your gift? No, we're trusting the Lord and the Lord always takes care of us and he'll do the same for you if you will worship him with all that is within you, including your time, your talent, and your treasure. So these wise men took all that time to find him, used all their talent to get before him and gave him their treasure. All aspects of a true worshipful life, a life that's really dedicated to God. So before we say, well, God, why haven't you done this? And why haven't you done that? And if you're real, why don't you fix this and fix that? Let's get real ourselves. Let's worship God. Let's seek after him. Let's be ready to give our time, our talent, our treasure. Let's really lay down our lives before the Lord. Thank you so much for joining with us today. I'm praying that you heard something that will impact your life. If you'd like more information, connect with us at the Christian Faith Church app or go to the website at christianfaith.us.